0: Because Spectrum has removed my Wi-Fi for the last four days. Which was kind of a nightmare. But honestly, it wasn't too bad. Because I was kind of used to not having internet for a few days. As I was up in the woods camping. And that trip, honestly, I recommend it. I recommend that you all go camping alone at least once in your life. It's an interesting experience. You just kind of get to sit alone with your thoughts. You can read books books for hours like I I was able to read for a very long time for the first time in a really long time which is wonderful I got to sit by the river and hang out for a number of hours it was a good time so I really strongly recommend it and uh, I I am going to be in New York uh, first week of September I'll be doing a few shows there I will be announcing that very soon I'm also going to be doing a few shows in North Carolina so I will be. Definitely uh, mentioning some show dates around that. Let's see. So today I'm going to be talking about the show. Oh, this is one of my favorite shows of all time. Of all time. I watched the show maybe like eight or nine times, probably 10 times. The show is called It's Okay, That's Love or Quintanas 사랑이야. And it was written by one of my favorite writers, Gyung. No I believe I talked about Gyung no before, right? I mean, she's the writer who wrote the show live which i talked about um did i talk about any other shows by her here i don't think so i guess not well that's exciting i get to talk about a lot of her shows now i mean there are a few shows that i want to talk about later like dear my friends i want to talk about that winter the wind blows which was not very good uh i want to talk about worlds within so there are a lot of shows that i want to talk about um, written by her and i will eventually uh, this show stars Choi In and Kung Hyo Jin, who are just amazing, amazing, <laughs> amazing actors, and they have brilliant chemistry on this show. Okay, uh, so the premise is that Chang uh, Jae played by Choi In is this best-selling thriller novelist, and he is also a radio DJ and a celebrity, but he has OCD. He also has schizophrenia but we don't know about that until way later and then the the female protagonist is played by Kong Jin, and she plays Ji Hyesoo, who is a, a psychiatrist working at a major university hospital in Seoul and she is a first year resident so she is still kind of learning on her way to developing and becoming a great doctor right and she has a um anxiety disorder around sex so when she was very young she saw her mother um, having an affair and so she associates sex with negativity with bad things and um, she has this major phobia around sex so she is like almost 30 she's about 30 years old and she's still a virgin and she is not able to um be intimate physically intimate with any man that doesn't mean that she doesn't date men she's a very beautiful and talented and fun young woman so she does have a lot of boyfriends but all of them had to be kept at bay all of them had to go through this discussion with her and honestly I think that's sort of a good thing to have right like if a woman is not ready to have sex with somebody she should be able to negotiate that with her partner okay like i wish i had known that when i was younger right when i was younger like i was really very much pressured into having sex with um boyfriends and you know like that creates a lot of issues when you're older i think this show has a good uh inner text around discussions of consent as a K-drama. So I think that's a big plus. Song Dong-il uh, plays Jo Dong-min. He's sort of a mentor figure to Ji Su's character. And I could tell that Noh Hee-kyung, the writer, loves Song Dong-il, right? Like he is in so many of her shows. And uh, like I said, a lot of writers, they have this close relationship with some actors and they'll continue to use them over and over again in their series. And I really love that they have this kind of relationship. And I love that South Korean TV writers have this kind of power. Yi Gwang the beloved Yi Gwang Soo, is also on this show. Yi Gwang is not a comedian, he is a actor. He's an actor, okay? Uh, and he plays somebody with Tourette's syndrome. Okay, so that's his struggle. That's his thing. And he's very much a prominent figure on this show. And Do Kyungsoo plays Han Gangwoo. Okay, Do Kyungsoo, I think you all know him. He's a K-pop singer and actor, right? He also goes by D.O. or Do. <laughs> um, but he was in the sh- he was in that, um, that group EXO, right? Everybody knows who EXO is. I think... Do Kyung Soo is an amazing actor. He's very talented. He was really good in this show. And Do Kyung Soo plays Chang um hallucination. So, Chang Jieo has schizophrenia and he hallucinates this figure who is supposed to be Chang Jieo's younger self and projection. And the whole series is sort of running on, on this conflict right this tension like Chang jae has schizophrenia most of the people around him the people who love him don't know that he has schizophrenia and then this comes to the fore later on and then this becomes a big hurdle for everybody right I feel like this show did an excellent job at addressing the issue of mental disability and mental disorder South Korea is very much behind when it comes to normalizing mental disability and mental disorders I feel like the United States is also somewhat behind when it comes to that. But relative to South Korea, they are better at it. Me living in Los Angeles, this is a bit of a bubble for me, right? I'm in the entertainment industry. Um, I am very much open about me and my therapy sessions, right? Like I definitely have mental disorders i live with depression and anxiety i also live with complex ptsd and um, that is the reason why i see a therapist that is the reason why i have all these exercises and things that i do in order to keep them maintained keep myself balanced keep myself healthy and the fact is guys nobody nobody not a single person on earth is exempt from some kind of mental disorder or disability. All of us have it, all right? Most of us have general anxiety. Most of us have some element of depression, okay? And the only way to be able to cope with them and manage them better is once we acknowledge that we have them and then we go and seek help and then we figure out a way to deal with it. There's definitely a lot of resistance when it comes to mental disability and disorders, especially among the Asian American community. I feel like that really needs to be addressed, okay? Being an immigrant, you're just going to come, like the default is that you're going to have some depression and anxiety, all right? You're going to have some issues, okay? So I, I feel like a lot of this stuff needs to be talked about more. I feel like they need to be normalized and... I think it's okay that's love is an excellent Korean drama in getting us talking about these things. The soundtrack on this show is really, really good, okay? So you have Davi-chi, uh, Davichi who is a two woman group and they they sing ballads and the song is really, really amazing. Yunmida has an excellent song on this show and uh, it's a it's a great song. So I, I really strongly recommend the soundtrack. All the songs on this show, they were all really good. So if you want to look it up on Spotify and play it, or if you want to look it up on YouTube and play it, yeah, get down with some of the music. It's really, really good. My guest for today is Connor Shin. Connor Shin is a Korean American, SoCal-based comedian, writer, actor. They are non-gender binary. They are queer. They are pansexual. They are Amazing. I love Connor because they're hilarious, first of all. Like, whenever I hang out with them, like, they crack me up. Um, I love Connor because, you know, they're a very passionate person. They care about their community. They have, you know, they've done some community activism, which I participated in, especially back in the spring of this year. Um, They are a great writer, they are generous with their time when it comes to other comics who want to come to them with questions they're very generous i really enjoyed this conversation with connor uh connor is also the writer of the harley quinn series which you can find on i believe hbo max so let's talk to connor shin do you have like a a morning ritual when you wake up something you do daily um i wash my face
1: and I have coffee, mm-hmm. and that's about the only consistent thing I do.
0: That's pretty good. Washing yeah. face.
2: Yeah.
0: Coffee. Yeah. And then, and then, what do you do? Do you think about like, oh, I don't know, what did you do this morning? Were you like, oh, I'm gonna do something? Or?
1: Um, I had. I have a bunch of fruit that's about to go bad, so I was trying to finish that off. (laughs) Yeah. It sucks, because I keep doing that, and you know how when fruit goes bad, it gets, like, that weird spicy flavor? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so... Mm.
0: Yeah, it gets, like, fermented. Um, Usually, I'll just, like, throw it in a smoothie, you know?
1: Yeah, that's what I should probably do, but...
0: Yeah. A good smoothie maker changes everything. Yeah. Mm hmm. Oh, I mm-hmm. should
1: just do that with the rest of my fruit.
0: Mm hmm. Any other plans? Other than this?
1: Uh, I have a skate lesson at 6.
0: Nice. Yeah, back, at, back at Venice?
1: No, no. It's in Alhambra. Oh, wow. And I'm having. Oh, well, I always have anxiety about my skate lessons, but I'm just like. I feel like I got worse since I last saw him
0: huh why
1: because I, I fell really hard a bunch of times and yeah I got a new bolt because I got a new board and then like um now I'm like timid on the board
0: yeah because of the falling
1: yeah and I'm even then I'm not completely healed from all my injuries
0: mm, right mm-hmm
1: so I feel like I'm like I have a, a bunch of explaining to do when I see him I'll be like listen it's gonna seem like I got worse it's because i did
0: (laughs) um, is it possible to get worse if you've been writing more well i'm
1: not i'm i'm like more timid now because i ate it so hard so many times
0: i think being timid is different from getting worse though you know
1: yeah but i just i don't have the gusto that i used to and today i specifically said well when i asked him for another lesson i was like can you teach me how to ollie Mm-hmm. so we're we're just gonna be pract- i think we're just gonna be practicing jumping today
2: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so
1: um there's a, there's no way i'm not gonna eat it today so i'm just like
0: you're bracing yourself
1: yeah i mean i have pads and shit but it's just you could it it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt when you fall it just means yeah yeah and you could always fall at a weird angle and and then on tomorrow morning i'm supposed to drive to reno wow it's like like an eight hour drive why i'm just gonna visit my cousin who lives there okay and just to chill yeah um i've never made a a drive that far by myself before Uh uh-huh and yes um but the thing is everyone's like nervous for me but i'm like i was looking forward to that part
0: i'm looking forward to you doing this too because i I think i I really want to go on a road trip. yeah yeah Yeah. Fucking do it i'm like excited for you it's a beautiful drive you know nevada
1: yeah so i'm just like am i the only one that's excited about this
0: i'm excited for you i'm on board
1: everyone's like my mom is like just take a plane i'll pay for it and i'm like that's not first of all i don't i don't want to get on a plane right now yeah and and second i'm like I, i wanted to go on a road trip
0: yeah and that's this, the whole idea.
1: Yeah, this this whole trip is going to be mostly road trip.
0: So. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to be you driving mm-hmm. and you thinking and you seeing things yeah. and processing things and mm-hmm. getting new inspiration. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome. I'm happy that you're going to do it. Yeah. You know? I like this I like this uh Connor 2.0. The <laughs> one that's um Doing things in the fear of you know, Mm -hmm. I mean in the face of fear, right? Like in the face of anxiety, like you're gonna skate, you're Mm -hmm. gonna skateboard, you're gonna do more lessons, you're gonna expand your repertoire and learn how to jump today and Ollie. You're gonna go on this road trip which you've never done for this long, but you're gonna do it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's like you're expanding
1: yeah i think i just i'm ready to try to push my limits a little bit yes so
0: yes yeah i love that i love that so much i'm like kind of on a similar path i think Mm -hmm. and i you know i still like on occasion i was still thinking back to like just monday (laughs) just a few days ago when you and i were hanging out you know, outside in K Town, mm-hmm. just killing time and you know, you're just like skateboarding and like it was around six thirty, between six thirty and seven, so like the sun was starting to go down, but not quite. It felt like late afternoon light, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it felt like that after school hour between three and four when when I was a kid and like, you know, just kinda like like latchkey kids, like when they wait for their parent to pick them up or, mm-hmm. you know, just killing some time like outside of school, you know, like mm-hmm. just talking to a friend, just enjoying the afternoon. Like mm-hmm. that felt so nice. You know, I was like, this is such a great feeling. Like I want to hang on to this moment, this feeling, this mood, this atmosphere, you know? And I think adding more of those moments into the life to integrate that more into our adult life helps us go and take on these um so-called trepidations these so-called uh challenges which are really not they're really just us wanting to be out there and explore right being adventurous Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i i think it was great because it was so not planned yes And we were, like, we were literally just waiting for an open mic to start. Yeah. But, I don't know. It was just something about having no expectations, but just really, like, being fully present.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Those are, I feel like those are always the best hangs.
0: Yes, they are. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, for instance, I was going to the beach last week with my friend, and she was like, I have a show at 8, so we have to leave by 6. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yeah, all right," but I, I just, I didn't like that feeling. Like, there's, there's this, you know, hard deadline, like a hard out, mm-hmm. you know, because like going to the beach already takes so much. You know, you have to like gather yeah. a bunch of shit, and you have to drive out there, and oh, I know. <laughs> but then it's like, oh fuck, we just unpacked everything. I can pack it all in, and I, I usually like having some room mm-hmm. for. Dilly dallying, you know, mm-hmm. like even yeah. going to the airport. Like I like having extra time so that I don't feel rushed. Like I like the dilly dally moments, you know, like mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah. I'm not the yeah. I'm usually not the type of person that has like a very keep it cutting it close schedule because I mm. hate, I hate rushing. Yes, I hate, I hate arriving just on time. That, mm. fre- that always freaks me out, mm. and I hate running late. So I always like give myself some space. And why do you
0: hate? Why do you hate getting there on time?
1: Well, because it, it gives me anxiety if I'm not there early. Because I'm like, I'm like, I just barely made it. I mm-hmm. Hate that shit. I mm. get it from my mom. It's so annoying.
0: Well, I usually get to places early or right on time. That's sort of my thing. Like, I hate mm-hmm. being late to things too, and I hate keeping people waiting. The reason why I hate that is because I hate it when people are late. Like, when people mm. are late, I judge them. Oh, yeah. So, that's why I hate it, when people are late.
1: That's a, that's a deal-breaker for me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Why? Why is that? Why is that, a like, an offense?
1: It's one thing if someone does it once. Like, shit yeah. happens. I get it. Sure, if it, yeah. If this is, like, a regular thing for them... Mm, like a pattern. Cut, I've cut off friendships. i mm-hmm. ended relationships. Or i mm-hmm. threatened to end relationships. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. It's so it's not just a pet peeve, because mm. like someone like a lot of things are pet peeves, yeah, but the thing is like keeping someone late, it's mm-hmm. so disrespectful and passive aggressive hmm and and it, for me, it always reads as selfish, it's just being like, my time is more important than yours, mm
2: hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and it has it has nothing to do with being busy, mm. like do we know anyone that isn't busy, right? Like, and it's always the same dumb shit. Like, they're they're not organized. Uh, They couldn't make a decision on something. Mm -hmm. And they're always late for the... If you you really break it down, they're always late for the dumbest reasons.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, people that are habitually late, if you get to know them, their whole family is like that.
0: Yeah, it's like a... It's almost like a disorder. Like, uh, chronic lateness is like a disorder there are some people who just can't help but always be late it's like a their wiring is off like i dated somebody like that it was a nightmare we dated for two years and Mm -hmm. he was he was perpetually late like i'm not saying 15 minutes not even an hour i'm talking like two hours he'd be late like minimum hour hour and a half two hours and every time we met up the date would start out with me angry at him Mm -hmm. and him feeling like guilty and ashamed and yeah. i was just like it doesn't have to be like this you could just be on time mm-hmm. but he for him it was just like an impossibility like he mm-hmm. just didn't know how not to be late yeah. and like on the one hand i try to be open-minded and compassionate about everybody's different sense of time because Everybody has a different their own sense of time. That's just how it is. Like there is no objective time. There is one that we live by as society, but that doesn't uh, for them it th- that doesn't dictate their lives. I wish I had some of that ability to be honest, which I don't have. But um, I I agree with you that it feels like they don't respect my time and they don't respect me, um, and it does feel selfish, but. Like, I do try to think, like, okay, it's not personal. They're not – this isn't, like, a personal attack. I try yeah. my best to think that way. It yeah. doesn't always work. The root the, – the default feeling is I feel disrespected. Mm-hmm. I feel neglected. I feel ignored. I feel, you know, like, all those shitty things. But yeah. it it's also, rough. It always
1: has – it fucks everything up cuz it always has a chain <laughs> reaction. Yeah. They're late. Now we're late. We're going to be uh-huh. late to that thing and then right. that next thing's going to be late. And it's yeah. like it's like dominoes and I'm just right. like oh what just can just this once can you get your shit in gear?
0: Yeah. And it's almost like we can't plan. Like don't plan an event if you're going to meet with this person, right? Well, like
1: the, 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 these people I noticed people are yeah. like, habitually late. They get pissed off if you try to plan shit
0: yeah they're they don't though, like the rigidity yeah
1: mm-mm. like if it's something like a week or a month in advance they're like absolutely not it has to be like after yeah it's happening
0: after uh-huh it's happening. Like yeah i
1: think i think planning something that has like a hard deadline freaks them out so much
0: yeah it does yeah.
1: and i'm just like because i'm the type of person where like if it's ten forty-five p.m mm-hmm. on a saturday and i'm at home yeah. Someone texts me, be like, hey, do you want to, we're going to go to, we're about to go to this club, do you want to go? I'd be like, fuck no. I mm-hmm. need at least an hour to mentally prepare for going somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And just hardcore introvert right here. Yeah. I mean, I, the thing is, I actually do really like going out. Yeah. But yes. I, I just need some time to process it. Mm-hmm. And I need time to recover from it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you prepare for that, like a social event?
1: Um, Someone tells me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I ask questions like, how dressy is it going to be? What's <laughs> the tone going to be? What are we going to mm. be doing? What's, oh, a bunch of random things that give me anxiety or um, is there going to be parking?
0: Right. That's a big one.
1: Parking. Is there going to be a cover? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be crowded? Mm-hmm. Um, is it going to be expensive? Is there going to be a lot of standing? I'm a lazy person, it turns out. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, That's like a white people thing, to to stand around at parties. Like, Koreans never stand around. They always sit.
1: <laughs> or just have an event where we're like, huh, so we're just, we're just standing this whole time.
0: <laughs> yeah, they stand around and walk around the whole night. I'm like, this is a nightmare. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs>
1: the, well, guess what, Grace? The people that don't take their shoes off to go inside, like, stand around at parties. <laughs>
0: I know and they're yeah but it's like you could like talk to everybody I was like yeah but what if you don't want to like I don't want to talk to everybody
1: you could have chairs and talk to people <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: shit I was at an Olive Garden dinner yeah it was like one of them long tables so right the chairs at Olive Garden have wheels on the bottom I wheeled myself to the other side of the table to talk to people
0: wow yeah yeah see you know how to get creative if and when need be yeah
1: that and that. I didn't have to be standing in flats for three hours to do that.
0: No. It's just,
1: and I, I just I get filled with resentment because also on top of that, well I don't wear high heels anymore, mm-hmm. but female shoes are not comfortable.
0: They're the, the worst. Yeah. Even
1: the casual ones. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, have you seen that store, uh, Aldo or some shit? It's yeah. The one that has sandals. Uh-huh. That are about like this thin uh-huh with letting they're totally flat on the inside Mm. I'm, why
0: it's not built for comfort it's built for aesthetics you know now that you say it, i haven't worn heels in a really long time too like almost two years i haven't
1: oh. yeah yeah. Um, is it because of quarantine or is it because
0: of personal i think quarantine has a lot to do with it but you know like before when i used to go up on stage i used to wear heels and full makeup full blowout i used to wear skirts i used to wear dresses mm-hmm. uh always heels now i there are days when i go up on stage without any makeup i never wear heels when i go up on stage now mm-hmm. i always wear um comfortable sneakers i I usually wear like air force ones because there's like a lot of support there and uh yeah like increasingly i've been dressing more like streetwear like i wear sweatpants i wear t-shirts i wear I wear, like, weird, like, uh, linen pants, <laughs> cotton <laughs> pants that are, like, poofy and wavy.
1: the best pants. I was going to ask you, where'd you get those <laughs> pants the other day?
0: I got those from Woodstock in New York at, uh, like, a Tibetan shop. Yeah, yeah.
1: I was going to say, where the hell did you even get those? I
0: think if you just look up any, like, Tibetan, you know, outlet, you'll find them. And well, they're all it, it, it cotton.
1: It would not occurred to me to look up a Tibetan outlet. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, yeah. it was like, like just a random thing. Like my friend was uh, up in Woodstock for some kind of writer's retreat. I happened to be in upstate New York at the time visiting two other people. So I stopped to see her and we were just kind of wandering around Woodstock and there was this Tibetan shop owned by a Tibetan woman. And I was just mm-hmm. like, you know, you hit the jackpot by having a shop here where all the whites are into Tibetan Buddhist shit. She's like, I know. She's like, I know. Mm-hmm and i bought two pants from her and one of them was that mm, yeah. so comfy I bet. comfort is important comfort first i think that's the other thing it's like we're shedding our heels we're shedding our tight fitting clothes we're wearing things that f- help us feel like ourselves mm-hmm. where we don't have to hide who we are right because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. always a pressure it's like why why are women always told you have to lose weight it's like well the clothes are shaped impossibly it's like you have to be stupid skinny in order to wear those clothes to make them look quote-unquote flattering to make them work it's like well what if i don't want to reshape myself to conform to your clothes how about i go buy clothes that don't give a shit about any kind of shape or conformity or any, or put any demand on my body. How about I do mm-hmm. that? And I yeah. think I'm just kind of intuitively doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I didn't know, this is so sad. I didn't know until like a few years ago that thick legs could look good. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I, I always thought in order to have pretty legs, that to be like long, thin, cult-like legs. Right. Mm-hmm. but it wasn't until I started seeing like dancers and female athletes who had like these, yes sur- surfer girl legs and I'm yes just like they look amazing
0: yes yes yeah i think seeing that helps mm-hmm. yeah a- i think athletes are a good example like athletes have all different shapes of bodies and sizes and they're athletes function.
2: yeah
0: it's about performance function um there is an aesthetic quality to it too like i think you know athletes are beautiful people like they're beautiful beings Uh, But, you know, athletes are different from models. And the Mm -hmm. ones that advertise clothing to us are these models who, yeah, their bodies are just completely different from my own. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I I just think it's interesting, like, because if you look at the model body the the Olympics, there's not all the different events at the Olympics, not a single one. Mm-hmm. would a model body have been practical for
0: exactly except mm-hmm. for
1: maybe like archery or some shit <laughs> right right or that um what's that one where you shoot a gun
0: and i don't know shooting a gun
1: i is it range or something but yeah that sounds yeah. right uh huh yeah but i'm like maybe you could have a model body but everyone else i'm like you're not going to make it <laughs> you're not gonna yeah
0: it. yeah um and isn't it funny how when we look at athletes, their bodies are all different shapes and sizes, and they're athletes, so we know that they care about health and functionality and performance, whereas models, they're very skinny for the most part, and we attribute thinness to health. Mm-hmm. We attribute skinniness to health, and it's mm-hmm. like a lot of those models live very unhealthy lives in order to achieve that body. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: What's going on? I
0: hear like a baby rattle. Is there a child?
1: Well, my cat is... He found his... Um, one of his favorite rattle toys. Sorry. Oh, uh, uh,
0: okay. It's a cat. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's alright.
1: I was cleaning under the couch and they shoved a bunch of their toys underneath it.
0: And then now they're finding them.
1: Yeah, and they're just like, Oh, I loved how loud this thing was. <laughs> Dude, I saw this amazing um, thing on i think it was instagram or something where it was just text and it said um we're not asking uh people to like demonize skinny people we're mm-hmm. asking people to stop putting them idolizing them right like because it's not about like uh skinny people are bad it's just like stop saying that's the ideal body type
2: because
1: hmm. it's actually not hmm and it's it's not practical to ask for something that's not even average
0: right
1: And the reality is some people are just heavier. yeah I mean do you, it's not a coincidence that they they usually have come from heavier families
0: exactly. yeah, just different body structure, muscles, different bone structure, mm-hmm. different DNA, different environment, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I'm taller than my mom, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Like, different environment, different diet, different. I'm not shorter than my
1: mom. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just different food, different everything. Like it. It just really depends. Mm-hmm.
1: Sorry, I'm gonna grab that rattle from him. It's alright. Little baby. <laughs> Naughty
0: little baby. is that the the first cat that comes out first when you have guests over
1: no this is the one that never comes out
0: oh interesting so okay it's just when they feel safe then they'll just like play with their toys and be their mm-hmm. freak cells i, I like mm-hmm. that yeah, yeah. Let me ask you about um, showbiz stuff. Because, you know, you're, like, in it. Mm -hmm. When, like, when and how did you get started in comedy? Like, was it sketch first, improv first, stand-up first? Like, what came first?
1: Um, I tried stand-up first. um, Because originally I was like, oh, I'm just going to get into comedy writing. Because I didn't think anyone would take me.
0: Mm. so
1: I was I I was like okay I'll try doing some stand-up
0: in Orange County or in LA
1: I'm not from Orange County I'm actually from uh San Gabriel Valley Hacienda Heights oh okay yeah so that's more east got it I I I, I did drive all the way out to LA to try to do open mics oh wow yeah and um I was dating someone that lived in Silver Lake at the time. Okay. So I was like, so nervous to do it. And then, mm-hmm. um, uh, um, but then later I found out that I did some Googling and a lot of my favorite comedic actors and writers also did improv. So mm. I was like, okay, let me try improv. And mm. then I fell in love with it. It was so much easier to find friends.
0: Where'd you do improv?
1: Um, I took improv classes at UCB. Okay. And Groundlings. I think at the same time, too, which was... Wow. I don't, rec- I don't recommend.
0: And you go hard. When when you feel determined to do something, you go hard.
2: Oh, I go all in.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm noticing. Yeah, so, okay, so you did Groundlings and UCB.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Made it's a lot nice. of friends. Mm-hmm.
1: made friends and then I took book classes and then I started going to indie shows started going into indie practice groups mm-hmm. and then slowly started being like oh I should try to do sketch
2: mm. and so I
1: started writing sketch and um after many well not that many years of struggling i guess i got onto a ucb sketch team Mm -hmm. and uh i was on i was on a team for like four years Mm -hmm. and not the same team like three different teams but like uh afterwards i was like okay i feel like now is a good time to move on Mm -hmm. and i was ready to be like either start working or start directing or start teaching Mm
2: -hmm.
1: so um Throughout this whole time, though, I'm still auditioning and stuff. Mm. So I actually scored a few parts during this.
2: Mm-hmm. Which uh, ones?
1: Well, I did a commercial, and then my big thing was that I got um, in a. I got a part in a Lake Bell movie. Mm. I do until I don't, mm. which was really big for me because I had never done. I think that was also my first like sag thing too.
0: Mm. Yeah, and yeah. Lake Bell's huge. I love Lake Bell. Yeah. Oh, she's
1: she's amazing. And it was a amaz- it was an am- it was a great first experience because it was the best set.
0: And it's um, like an indie production, right? It's like Yeah,
1: it was an indie production.
0: So scale wise it's more comfortable for somebody mm-hmm. to just start out into, yeah. It's perfect, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it had a huge cast. Mm hmm. Um After that, I started getting other bit parts, like on TV and stuff. Yeah. Like um, Will and Grace. Uh, I had a bit part on Superstore, but that scene got cut, I found out. Mm -hmm. And then I got a scene in... uh, Just small things here and there.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um,
0: The ball started rolling.
1: Yeah, and the acting thing actually helped me... Get noticed for writing.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, so that's why when people are like, "How do I get into writing or whatever?" I'm like, "There's no one way to do it." Right. Um, I really do feel like acting helped me get note. I don't think I would have a writing job if it wasn't for acting.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: Because I mean, writers, especially at UCB, I feel like they don't stand out as much as the performers. Hmm. So the fact that I would get stage time. Of- occasionally or I would get screen time uh, that helped me stand out yeah so I think that absolutely helped for sure and yeah so I'm I mean I'm still open to everything like um I'm as you know I'm trying to do stand-up again mm-hmm. but I'm I mean I'm also still auditioning uh, mm-hmm. I'm supposed to uh i mean i got staffed a few times on shows uh mm-hmm. I, this year i did uh harley quinn season three yeah animated series yeah it's a big one uh, ho- hopefully season four will start soon mm-hmm. but yeah like i'm all over the place so yeah
0: i think that's how it goes for comedians Is like We're like very malleable creatures, you know? I mean, we have to be. It's like, Mm -hmm. if we're called to act, we gotta. If we're called to write, we gotta. If we're called to direct, we gotta. If we're called to produce, we gotta. Mm -hmm. If we're called to just improvise a bunch of lines, we gotta. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I think you're right when you say there's no one way to do it. There's no one way to do the thing that you want to do. It's just,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you got to be open to all of the things that surround the thing that you want to do right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's interesting that you say acting is the thing that got you into it because i'm maybe this is something i need to get over i'm trying to get over like little fears of mine like i have like i've been telling myself since like a month ago i was like i'm gonna try and be fearless i'm gonna try to get over my fears how do I do that? And I've been just sort of working through a lot of that sh- stuff, those questions. And like yesterday, for instance, I was like, I want to go camping. Like I live in fucking California. Everywhere around me, <laughs> it's just like a few hours and then it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I can do it. I've done it before. I can do it. I can do it alone. So, you know, I went out and I got like, a few camping supplies today. And I booked a place like for this Sunday to Monday, you know, just to do it. Small steps, right? And it's like, yeah, it's big. It's big in that the ball is starting to, you know, starting to roll, Mm -hmm. but it's like small steps, like almost kind of tricking myself into it, right? Mm -hmm. But the reason why acting freaks me out is because I have many actor friends. I mean, we all have many actor friends. The ones who are just like committed to acting, like being an actor. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are very difficult for me to be around because they're always strung out. Like they're always concerned about everybody else's opinion. They're always, you know, fearing rejection. And, that, and that's the thing that they have to deal with on a daily basis, rejection, because mm-hmm. they do so many auditions and get so many rejections. And they, of course, have to like alleviate that through self-practice, self-care healing methods. So they're into all kinds of hokey shit. Mm-hmm. Not to say that I'm, I don't have my own share of hokey shit. I have plenty of it. Mm-hmm. But it's like they are locked in this, what seems to me like a vicious cycle of putting themselves out there, getting wounded, and then trying to self-heal or Mm self-medicate and it's just like that constant constant and i i fear that i fear getting sucked into that loop
1: i mean it makes sense Why i know there's that stereotype of like actors are a nightmare but it's it makes sense because like the few times whenever i start to do something actorly or even like start to audition or stuff like that it's a miserable process because you have to make yourself so so vulnerable mm. and also win approval mm-hmm. and so it it nothing is in your control which is mm-hmm. so shitty because the thing with stand-up like you can make yourself vulnerable but you're also the writer and editor and director exactly like, like if you don't like something you can change it if mm-hmm. you don't like how something's going you can change it but if mm-hmm. you're an actor you, you don't do that you you have to do the lines written for you you have mm-hmm. to do it a certain way and yep. if people don't like it then fuck you it's just, right right and that's just for people that's their whole life i'm like oh man that sounds like a nightmare
0: awful yeah yeah you know, you're
1: already like a fragile person like i'm sure <laughs> like because i feel like i'm a pretty sensitive person so i think mm-hmm. i never do just straight acting like i'd always be like i'm still gonna write and try to make my own shit because Right, I don't want to feel like, you know, this disposable thing that people can either love or hate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to have some sense of creative agency. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like with acting, it's your body, right? It's your Mm -hmm. body. It's your, it's like, yeah, it's your fucking body. It's your voice. It's your facial expressions. It's your emotions. It's a lot. And I don't know, like, that's why I really admire actors, honestly, because I feel like they're doing something I don't think I have the wherewithal to really do. I know I want to. There's a part of me that really wants to. I know that I can be good at it. I know that I am good at it. I have acted before, and I know I have it. It's just, it's the the grind that really puts me off. The grind and, like, the mental state that, that it puts you in, as you mentioned. Well, I think yeah. it's so
1: funny that you of all people would say that considering you're a stand-up. like if, <laughs> you know, right? like if anyone has the worst grind, <laughs> it's stand-ups.
0: Yeah, comics have it the worst, you're right. But I, I feel like I can hack that only because it's on my terms. You know what I mean? Like Everything is on my terms. If I feel like I'm going to do an open mic, I'm going to do two open mics every single night this week, I will do them. If I suddenly say, fuck it, I don't want to do any of them. I don't have to. Um, and as you say, like, you know, I, I like how you put it, the stand-up is the writer, director, and editor and all of that. It's like, yeah, that's absolutely what we are. It's like, and the deliverer. Mm-hmm. We're the ones who deliver it. And there's a lot of agency there. I think I like control. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, that's, I think that's I mean, what like, it a is. a lot of
1: stand struggle when they're trying to do improv.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I love improv. I don't like improv team, but I like doing like set list mm-hmm. mics. I, yeah, like that's why I like crowd work too. You know, the, there are some stand up shows where like the crowd is just not with you at all. Yeah. doesn't matter how fucking great your writing is and how fucking good your jokes are, you know, those jokes that 100% land everywhere, mm-hmm. there's some rooms where they just don't fly. Because the crowd is just not on that level. So you have to adjust. And that adjustment is literally scrapping your entire act Mm -hmm. and only talking to them Mm. and figuring out a way to crack them up. And that's, like, for me, I love that. I get a lot of joy out of that. I also get a lot of joy at, like, going going to some of those mics where they just have, like, a bunch of words, like, in a bucket, and then you just pull out a word, and then you just riff. I love that. So I like that kind of improv, where it's just me.
2: It's
1: so crazy because, like, that's those things give me so much anxiety really well because you're you're just you're flying blindly
0: but you're flying blindly when you're doing improv with the team too
1: yeah but you're with the team you
0: share the blame you
1: share the responsibility someone can take the spotlight off you for a second whereas if it's just you it's like oh yeah it's just you taking all the blame <laughs> it's just you sitting there grinding your gears yeah i did one of those um uh open mic riff things whatever and it uh-huh. went terribly it went terribly. really because the thing is i'm also i have a thing where i hate being i don't like being a storyteller like because uh. i remember there's an improv one oh one the exercise that they have you do to uh, generate ideas as monologues and mm. I, I can't do that shit. I can't, mm. tell, I can't tell a succinct, interesting monologue off the top of my head based on a suggestion. It has hmm. to be premeditated or me bouncing off someone else's idea. Hmm. It's just, it's too, and then, because I'll start either rambling or be like, oh, oh wait, this story doesn't have a point, or oh, it's a lot of half ideas, and just, I, I need time to work it out.
0: Mm. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, with the set list stuff, it's like, I know that what I'm saying, not everything that I say is going to get a punchline. Mm-hmm. And if I start out and I feel like it's not, I'm not interested, then I just mm-hmm. say pass. I just mm-hmm. ask for a different word or I go for a different word. Yeah. Um, it's usually like I follow the interest. Is that a yeah. thing in improv? Like I just follow whatever excites me most and gets me lit up because when i'm when i'm lit up then i know it's gonna it's gonna be funny because i'm lit up already Mm -hmm. so everybody's gonna have fun but if it's like a boring ass idea or a boring it's like a word that i just don't know or i'm not interested in Mm -hmm. i'm not inspired by then i just say pass Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's interesting you know you know like this is a common thing i noticed this with you with sam o with will hines i noticed this with a lot of um people who do sketch and improv um, And it's always, like, a fear of the alone part, the solo part.
1: Because it's crushing, Grace. <laughs> it's crushing.
0: It's, yeah. It's but, like, whose
1: fault is it? Well, who's on stage? Just me. Yeah. All right.
0: Well, so what? What's wrong with that? I I guess it's like what's I I guess I'm over it. I'm like what's wrong with that? Yeah, sometimes I eat shit and then it's like I'll just go home and eat a bucket of other shit to try and alleviate. Yeah.
1: It's just it gets to the core of your being
0: and Oh, it's a horrible feeling. Yeah. But it's like wonderful, too, in a way. That's why comic like stand ups when we're, you know, the back of the the so-called back of the room. Right. Like Mm -hmm. we'll sit in the back of the room and if somebody's bombing, all of us are dying laughing or if somebody is not making any sense or if somebody is like lose like they keep bombing and they're nervous. You know, or if somebody starts heckling and they can't address the heckler, then all of us in the back of the room are hysterically laughing because we feel that we feel for them so intensely and closely. And yet it's like cathartically hilarious because we know that it happens to all of us, it could happen to any one of us. And I think in that regard, there's love there, you know? Like I was trying to explain this idea to like a like a guy I was dating and he was just like, you're mean, how can you laugh at somebody bombing? I was like, you don't get it, bro. You just don't get it. There's love, that's love. That's not mean-spirited laughter. That's fully love when we're laughing. You know I what I mean? No. <laughs> and it's so, so interesting. This is how a lot of stand-ups feel, I feel like I feel this way when I talk to other stand-ups. They they know what I'm talking about. Well, you know. Okay,
1: I to a certain degree, if I see someone bombing, yeah. And if it's someone that I know or someone that I'm a fan of, like yeah. I don't know if my instinct is to laugh.
0: Oh, really? But I find it so funny. funny.
1: I don't know if I find it funny, but like I don't know. I just
0: What's the feeling you get when you see somebody you know or admire bombing on stage?
1: It's just um, understanding, I guess, because I know that they're working something out.
0: Okay, got it.
1: That's my thought on it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like just pragmatic, like industry understanding. It's like, oh, I know where they're at with this joke.
1: Yeah, and then I think at one time I saw... I was interning at UCB and there was a stand up show and this guy who's really funny was doing stand up and then he did one joke where he lost the audience. Uh-huh. And then afterwards it was hard to get him back. But the <laughs> thing is like the thing is like his the joke he did was a little blue, but I was like I remember thinking like that joke's funny, man. I hope you keep it. Yes.
0: Yes. That's yeah. another thing I love because comedy's so subjective, right? Like, yeah. uh do, do you know Jackie Monahan? Mm-hmm. I love Jackie. And she has an album, uh, These Lips, I think. Read These Lips or From These Lips. Um, and I was listening to it recently. And she f- she filmed it and recorded it at the Underground in Seattle, which is now closed, sadly. But that's where she um, recorded it. And I'm listening to this album. And it's, like, amazing. Like, her jokes are amazing, right? And you could hear the laughter either not being there or not meeting the register that I mm. feel like that it deserves, you know, yeah. for each joke. And yeah. I felt yeah. immense hatred for th- this audience, like when mm-hmm. they didn't get it or when they weren't laughing, mm-hmm. I was like, they're so fucking stupid. Like I want to just get in their brains and like make them understand. But it's like, again, that that's the thing you can't do, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't do that. You know, and that's the other thing. There's some jokes that are really hilarious to comedians because comedians are smart. Like we're I would say, you know, in the in the general social intelligence, comedians are kind of a level up because we just see things more. We get things more in order Mm -hmm. to say a punchline and understand a punchline. You have to be smart. You know, Mm -hmm. so it's like some comics understand those jokes better than somebody who just doesn't think about jokes or doesn't think in that way at all. You know, so it's like, okay, I get it. I get it. And it's just like, man, you just like i it, I sensed a sense of pity, I guess, or like there was like a sense of loss, you know, I was like, man, these are such fucking good jokes. I wish you know there was a a bigger crowd or maybe a crowd on a different night, or you know it, 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 like I just that feeling I felt yeah
1: it's it's weird finding out uh sometimes that, that uh, sometimes that you're smart. <laughs> Cause like sometimes I'll talk about something and it'll be something like I, in my opinions very mundane. Mm. Be like, oh, I was rewatching Frasier, and people be like, oh, I can't watch that; it's too smart. And I'm like, it's not; it's mm. really not. Right. And they'll be like, no, trust me, it is. And I'm like, that's it like being you? Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> like I don't, I don't think of myself as like, as an Asian person. Yeah. I'm very aware of how stupid I am. So Interesting. I just, um, whenever someone uh, makes it very clear that they're stupider than I am, it's just like, ugh. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't know how to help you, buddy. <laughs> well, I think yeah.
0: my reaction mm-hmm.
1: to stupid people sometimes is, you know that rule? You could be stupid or you could be mean, but you can't be both.
0: Hmm. I don't know that rule at all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently a lot of people don't. Because... I don't mind if people are stupid, but I do mind if they're like um, weirdly arrogant about it.
0: About their stupidity?
1: Yeah, like they don't realize how stupid they Uh, are. Oh, you mean?
0: Oh shit! What the fuck was that? It was really loud. Oh, it's okay. It's fine. Uh, There was like some really loud noise. It just scared the shit out of me. Um, Is it kind of like maybe I don't like Donald Trump, for instance, like stupidity and aggression? Yeah
1: are like um, um sort of that kind of attitude um i'm trying to think of an example
0: oh. well i was listening to uh this I guess it's like a meditation session. Do you know this woman, Tara Brock? Mm -mm. Okay, there's this woman named Tara Brock. She's like a psychotherapist and she's like a healer and she talks a lot about radical Mm self-compassion. And I was just kind of listening to this session. It's like four different recordings and I was just kind of listening to it all at once. And one of the opening things she said was, our society is built very much to accommodate and uh, praise the analytical thinking, the hard sciences, the math, the STEM fields, like that shit. And she was like, in a society that does that, imagine how many people there are that feel stupid because society doesn't uphold their values or their talents, right? Mm -hmm. Which is people like us, like you and me the ones who are sensitive more about affect and feeling about intuition, about creativity, about writing, about art, about creation, about ideas, about expression, modes of expression, methods of expression, da, 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 da. Right. Mm -hmm. People like that. And and she was like, imagine how stupid those people feel. Like you said, you were like, Mm -hmm. as an Asian person, I'm aware of how stupid I am. Mm -hmm. And when she, when I heard her say that, heard her say, imagine how many people there are that feel stupid because of where the society emphasizes points of value. And I started hysterically crying for like, I don't know, like 10, 15 minutes. And I realized one of my core beliefs is that I'm stupid. I realized that I have this core belief in me. I didn't know I have it, but I have it. It's in there. It's embedded into me. It was put into me by somebody, a parent, a teacher, a friend, whomever. And this, this... The whole country the nation the society the community and this feeling is it permeates even more deeply because i am not of this country i moved to this country as an immigrant as a child i did not speak the language i did not understand the culture and then there are all these in-between things that you have to navigate between two cultures right it's like trying to be korean or a korean-american in an american society versus american and trying to assimilate and da, da, da. so there are all these ambiguities and questions and whatever, right? So yeah, I felt like a constant clueless person throughout all of that. And whenever I would just do something and they would say, why are you doing that? You fucking idiot. Why would you say or do that? Why would you do it that way? Don't you have any common sense? And I realized, like, oh, I, th- I fear, my fear is if I don't know something, my life will end. I will be shamed to the point of wanting to die or disappear. So this became a core fear and belief in me, a fear of lacking knowledge, mm. lacking knowledge on what to do, mm-hmm. um, a belief that I'm a fucking idiot, mm-hmm. a deep seated belief. And that's why when I see people, anybody who I in my mind determine ask quote unquote stupid Mm -hmm. i get immensely rageful Mm. because i put so much pressure on myself to not be stupid to always acquire knowledge and to be aware to be self-aware to be prepared as you do right you're like i i need an hour i need an hour to prepare i have to ask questions i have to prepare and i have to know the fucking story fully in my head before i go out into the world Mm -hmm. it's like in my mind i do that all the time and so when I see somebody who hasn't prepared, I'm like, why didn't you fucking prepare? I did, why didn't you, right? So it becomes this rageful response, which is irrational. It's not rational to put the same amount of expectations and pressures on another individual that I put on myself. But it's impossible to not do that because I do that to myself. Well, I, think, you know? I think it's
1: very, it's, I think this is saying a lot about me. I think it's very rational. Cause the thing is, I think this might be an Asian thing too. Uh, Mm. we're raised to believe if someone is caught acting stupid, it's okay to be horrible to them. And it's... (laughs) I know, I know. But the thing is, if you were to say that to me now, I'm like, well, yeah. Mm. They need to be punished. Mm -hmm. Like, because in America, like, stupidity, you correct it, but in Asian countries, if you fuck up, or you make an embarrassment of yourself, you need to get punished it's not enough to correct it like you Mm -hmm. you are gonna learn physically mentally and spiritually why that was unacceptable and and so i don't know it's it's tough for me because i feel like being a bully also runs in my genetics Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and uh i think very frequently a lot of us are looking for an excuse to be horrible to someone and so when I see someone being stupid, I'm just like, "Oh, it's okay. We could, we could totally take this person. To, mm-hmm. Yeah, just trash him to filth.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm on a different, on a different path with that because for me, it's like,
1: "Oh, I don't agree with it. I don't." Agree oh, okay, okay. As
0: long as you're aware no, of that, because I don't no, think it's no. a healthy response. No, yeah, I don't. It, well, I don't agree a with it stupid. either.
1: Stupid. That's the
0: thing. I don't think it's stupid. I think it's like everybody we're always on a path to learning something new, no matter what, like I learned something new today, you know, like when I was, I went and got windshield wipers replaced. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like something I've never done. (laughs) I've never replaced my windshield wipers ever in my life. I did it today. And I did it like literally because one of them was like falling apart, you know, Mm -hmm. and I got it done and it was like, okay, now I know how to do this. I just bring it in and this is what, what happens now. I know. Mm But it was something I have ne- I've never done before. I was just acquiring new knowledge. It's not that I'm stupid. You know, there are probably some people who can replace their own wipers. And they're like, yeah, it's fucking easy. You just buy it wherever and just stick it and it's done. You're stupid, Grace, for not knowing how to fucking do that. Thank God nobody's saying that, you know. But it's like, I don't think it's about stupidity, really. It's almost like these words like stupid or smart, are they're starting to lose meaning in my world. Suddenly, the other day when I was telling you, I don't know if I told you this, but I was like, I was feeling kind of depressed for a little while. Like, I was dealing with some depression for like a couple of weeks. And, you know, since I, I've, I've lived with depression a lot of my life, I know when it comes and I know when it's going to go. You know, I know that it's not going to stick around forever. So I just kind of wait around for it to leave. But uh, when somebody, like, I told them, I was like, oh, I don't feel depressed today. They're like, oh my God, yay. They were like, kind of celebrating it. And I remember getting irritated. Because I was like, there's nothing wrong with being depressed a little bit. It's just my body and my mind processing something, and needed mm-hmm. to get through that. And now it's now we're moving on. But that was a necessary process. So I almost felt annoyed at her qualifying depression as a negative thing, well, which I I, 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 think I don't just do.
1: Interpreting it like, I think for them, they were just celebrating that you were not in pain.
0: Yeah. Yes, I think so too. Yeah, but it was more like in my mind, it was like mm-hmm. depression is not a bad thing. You know, like this was like yeah. a new, a new sort of emerging. It was like yeah. depression is not a bad thing. Like, why are you? You know, so it's mm-hmm. it's actually like a healthy. If anything, it's like a a sign of healthiness for me in that in how I have come to come to terms with my depression. You know, mm-hmm. it's like oh, like I know when it comes, it's like there's something some change some there's room being made or space being made to accommodate something else that's coming in you know so it's just a matter of shifting perspectives i guess so anyway that's that's what i've been doing i suppose so i'm starting to see depression differently i'm starting to see the word stupidity differently starting to see the word intelligence and smart differently you know Mm -hmm. it's like everybody has their own um Gift of intelligence, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm a firm believer that everyone's smart in a way.
0: Exactly. Like, there's just exactly. types
1: of intelligence, like my. There's. Sisters, there's yeah. smart. There's street smart. Yeah. There's exactly. people that are emotionally intelligent. Yeah, that's a huge there's, one. There's people that are good at organizing their lives. There's people, yes. people that are good with. Good
0: animals. at being on time. Yeah. Yeah. The people, people who are heroes. <laughs> people who are who are totally carefree like free from the burden of time you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um all different kinds but like for me right now what i'm struggling with and let me get your opinion on this um so i have this friend who we're, we're good friends um i was in a state of pain last month and i reached out to a lot of people for help as you know with the film and he ignored my email and that got stuck in my craw and there was no explanation really
1: well i think i totally get where you're coming from because as someone every single time i try to put a show or a shoot together it's always a goddamn nightmare and it's really hard not to take it personally when someone like either says no or just doesn't respond to something Mm. like it it feels like they're saying fuck you Mm -hmm. but in reality it's just so many things can happen like uh you have no idea what's going on with their life Mm-hmm. and maybe i know some people are like i don't want to burden other people with my bullshit so i'm gonna keep it to myself yeah so
0: i think uh not getting a response from somebody is like i don't know for me that's a huge violation for me that's like
1: well it's a faux pas
0: is it yeah, it yeah. is.
1: Yeah, I, I, I know how you feel. Because like, I have I have the same thing where I'm like, I'd rather you say no than not respond.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm more on board with that. Because it's communication. Yeah. Yeah, whereas ignoring is like not communication. It's just, I don't know, it's like a form of mental torture. It's like, it's what am dis- I supposed to? Yeah. How am I supposed to read this? Yeah.
1: Yeah, like you either, like, it leaves you wondering. And, it, and sometimes it could just feel dismissive yeah and sometimes it could just feel like a form of ghosting yeah and i'm not a fan of ghosting so unless
0: yeah i'm someone, not either unless someone's
1: really being shitty i don't yeah and even yeah though, i'd much rather tell them off.
0: i mean there's like you know there are ways to handle things like when it's time to end right but it's mm-hmm. like i think for me that's a big um deal breaker is like not being responsive Mm-hmm. Is a big deal breaker. Like there are people I just don't talk to anymore because of that. Yeah. Because yeah. to me, it's like similar to the time thing, except it's more offensive because eventually with the time thing, like they're just late. They're going to show up yeah. and you're just annoyed that they were late and they put you through this sort of mental possibility that they might not show up i think that's the anguish that's the pain that i had to deal with and then and then i'm angry now now that they've arrived and they put me through that torture Mm -hmm. but with like the not responding it's like a definite violation because there was just no showing up there's just like a a ball drop ball being dropped there was an ignoring happening there was a sense for me it feels like abandonment for me it feels like neglect for me it feels like devaluement. like i'm devaluing you Not I. You're not even worth a response from me. Mm -hmm. You're not even worth an explanation from me. Mm -hmm. Get over it. Like, that's, to me, the communication. Mm -hmm. And it feels like a huge disrespect. And so I think that's why I'm having a hard time shaking this. Yeah, it's like last year I had to let go of somebody because of something similar. But it was a lot more amped up because it was like COVID was full on. And, like, I thought he was dead. I literally thought he got COVID and died. So it put me in this panic attack mode okay. this time it was really horrible and when i tried to explain it to him he wasn't receptive to it he didn't want to hear it so i was like okay well then i'm done with you We're, it's bye it's over
1: because like i know some people that are like that and when i'm like dude why didn't you say anything and they're like oh i, I should have said something oh like interesting and I'm like like dude yes mm. if someone sends you anything that seems remotely emotionally loaded be like, well, I'm sure it'll work itself out. And I'm like... Oh, because they can't deal with
0: confrontation.
1: They can't... They they don't like confrontation. Um, well,
0: nobody likes confrontation. I think it's just they don't have the tools to deal with it.
1: They don't have the tools and nor do they want them. That's the big thing. They don't... They really don't want them. And so they'd rather just, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, it's disappointing and frustrating, but that's just some people's state of being, I guess. That is. And what's something you really need to take into consideration is, like, I mean, I don't know how many mutual friends you have with this person, but they're probably like this with everyone, right?
0: I don't know. I have no idea.
1: I mean, I think it's probably safe to say that they're like this with a lot of people in their lives. And I don't think you should be, like... Oh, this means this person feels that way about me. Like, uh, example, example.
0: Yeah.
1: Normally, when someone's awkward towards me, if I have an awkward interaction with them, I'm like, I suck, I'm garbage, I'm stupid. Why did I do that? But Mm. certain people, um, like Will Hines. Like, Mm -hmm. if I have an awkward interaction with him, Mm -hmm. I always am like, Oh, Will, you freak. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because I you accept yeah I know it's not me. I know it's all him. Mm. And I say that lovingly.
0: Right, right. You accept him.
1: I think I think he's great. Um, but I also know he's a little weirdo. And so if I have an interaction with him and he seems like short or off, it's not mm. like, oh, I hate you. I, ugh, why am I talking to it? It's a matter of like, well, time to be crazy somewhere else. Right, <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah. So like, yeah. Like, if a like a, if a dog that's randomly on the street comes near you, you're not going to be like, oh, my God, this dog. No, it's going to be like, oh, there's a dog loose.
0: Mm-hmm. If yeah. Like that. Okay. That's helpful. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thanks it's for hearing like, me out. Mm-hmm.
1: It's crazy because I started doing stand-up about 10 years ago, then stopped. And then mm-hmm. I see a lot of those people from back then that are, like, working now and just killing it and um people i hear people talk about them and they'd be like oh my god they're so great and i'm like i knew them when they were at the lowest point in their lives mm. they were not nice right yeah so part of me was like i had a, like a light bulb moment where i'm like were people shitty or was i just around them during a really shitty point in their lives mm. yeah
0: that's a good point mm-hmm yeah but that's important too you know it's like if you were around them when they were at a shitty point in their lives like it's hard to see them differently actually yeah Yeah. isn't that's a this is another friend i'm dealing with right now like the last time i spoke to him was almost it was two years ago Mm -hmm. and he was at a very low point but not doing much about it. But like the thing about him being at a low point was he was also dragging other people down with him, like yeah. emotionally, mentally, financially. It was like draining a lot of people around him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was included in that pile of people and I was really scarred by it. And it sort of made me see like, oh, like he's actually very selfish. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't give a shit about anybody else. It's just him right now. Yeah. Um, And so I distanced myself from him radically. Cause I just didn't want to get caught up in his cycle of, you know, b- bullshit. I was just like, I don't want to get w- wrapped up in that nonsense anymore. Mm-hmm. And he's an addict, you know, he has like a lot of issues. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I distanced myself radically and he's still like, you know, there's activity on my social media, like s- still trying to engage me somehow, you know, mm-hmm. but like I'm not taking the bait at all. Like, cause it's hard for me to unsee what I saw. Yeah. Unfortunately, sadly, sadly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, what, what, when I was saying about earlier, I'm not saying like, uh, the shitty behavior people do. Like, you have to excuse. Like, you can absolutely cut these people out of your life. Mm. And you usually should because I mean, it's gonna take a toll on you. But it's just, I'm just saying, like it, it's not, it's not really about you. Right. You just happen to be, in, in the trail of a tornado.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah and you know even even like cut cut them off like it's not really about cutting them off it's more just like it's i have really
1: to hard to
2: cut people off
0: it's it's almost an impossibility to cut people off it's like it, it's what it's more just like me making peace with letting them go like emotionally and mentally it's like i'm letting you yeah. go emotionally like you're or, no or longer at
2: arms length.
0: right right like if i randomly bump into them out there in the world and they say they acknowledge me and I acknowledge them that that'll be it mm-hmm. it will just be like you know two ships kind of passing each other I'm not gonna hang out you know I'm not gonna engage most likely not because and again like this is all is like a matter of balance you know it's like figuring out where, where is the line between I'm doing like I'm 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 grown and I'm expanding my boundaries and I'm accepting more people. I'm raising my tolerance threshold and da da da. How much of it is it that, or how much of it is is it like no? This is like there is a fine line. I mean, there is a line here, and you have to protect yourself and yeah. you know make certain choices and decisions in order to protect yourself, right? It, it's, it's always like this negotiation.
2: Yeah.
0: But yeah, all this is helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I want to get into some fun shit.
2: Okay.
0: Um so the show that I'm talking about on this episode is called It's Okay That's Love, which mm-hmm. is a vi- it's like one of it's actually one of my top top 3 Korean dramas of all time. Like I watched mm-hmm. this one maybe like 8 times already. I love this show. <laughs> and uh so I'll just ask you some like scenario questions and you just answer them as you would do if you were in their shoes or if you were that person. Mm-hmm? Okay. So let's say you're a hot, tall, sexy, dreamy, handsome, rich, novelist, guy, and radio DJ. Your oh, name is Chang. <laughs> your name is Chang jae All right. You're hot shit. Everybody wants you. Uh, you meet a psychiatrist named Ji Hyesoo, and she's really fine. She's gorgeous. And you like her, but she doesn't like you because she thinks you're a pig. She thinks you're a chauvinist pig she hates you she also has a she also has a boyfriend all right uh one day you see his who's boyfriend making out with another woman Mm -hmm. what do you do
1: i don't know because the thing is like if she already doesn't like me she's definitely gonna shoot the messenger so, yeah, I guess I'd have to concoct some sort of way to have yeah. her find out. Hmm. Hmm. But I also, I mean, if I'm a chauvinist pig, is it shitty to prey on someone or pursue someone that just got out of something shitty?
0: Right. Right. That's a very good point. Yeah. Is like- this appropriate? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A question men don't ask a lot of the times is this appropriate?
1: Well, I mean, because for them, when is something appropriate? <laughs> like, I think it's different when you can literally pee anywhere. You don't think about, is this appropriate? Whereas with women, like, we need special circumstances. <laughs>
0: I know so much goes into just like, urinating with the vagina. Why? It's like so. It's a whole thing. You need shelter. You (laughs) need toilet paper. You need water. You need running water. You need a trash bin. You know, in case you got you got tampons and pads or panty liners or whatever. It's a whole thing. But like, yeah, cocks. They could just whip them out, piss wherever. You're right.
1: Yeah, you could do it while on a moving bus. It's crazy. it's just like so i think for them everything's so much more like i didn't even have to sit down <laughs> whereas with women yeah. they're like oh it just what does it say about me like I, right I, I was gotta so stop everything
0: right, yeah. right right yeah. right 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 just to pee women gotta stop everything and they gotta stop go into a different deconstruct
1: your clothing to do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah put a purse or a bag somewhere um a whole thing a whole thing you, they, mm-hmm. they have to walk many many footsteps to a a, a locate a secluded location mm-hmm. where they can undress and get their business taken care of. oh my gosh yeah. yeah yeah wow that's such a good point that's genius yeah Thank there should be a whole anthropological study based on just genitals pissing habits and the inequities of society like i see that as an anthropological dissertation already
1: (laughs) well it's just like because think about it if you had to bleed once a month uncontrollably it's it's gonna affect your state of mind after
0: oh my god everything 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 about a, a female body is like that it's like you know we get used to discomfort from such a young age remember like training bras When breasts first start coming, you wear training bras. How uncomfortable was a bra when you first started wearing it? It's like, what is this shit on my body? It's like, you know, puppies, when you see puppies, like, and you put a collar on them for the first time, they freak out because they're like, what the hell is this bullshit around my neck? And it's something they eventually have to get used to. And then, you know, they become collar trained and leash trained. Women... Women's bodies are the same way. As girls, we had to wear fucking training bras, and then put on bras, and it's like it always causes back pain. It always causes shoulder pain. It always causes like little marks on my fucking skin. But it's something society says you have to wear, so we have to fucking wear them. So we get used to it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. our whole lives. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I think men should be required to wear jock straps if we have.
0: <laughs> yeah, strap them down. Yeah, at all times. All times. Yeah. It doesn't matter how hot and uncomfortable.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Awesome. I love these. Okay. 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 So let's say uh, you're a Hesu, you're this hot shot doctor, big university hospital in Seoul. Okay? okay. You have a disorder. You have a mental disorder called sex phobia, where you attribute any physical intimacy with fear, shame, guilt, and anxiety because of a past trauma. And because of this, it's hard for you to be close to any partners in a relationship because physical intimacy is too triggering for you. So you always have to go extremely slow, even to hold hands, even a kiss. It's like it's a it's a whole thing. So the boyfriend who cheated on you tells you that he cheated on you because he couldn't stand waiting around for somebody as frigid as you. What do you do?
1: um i'm a doctor
0: yeah psychiatrist
1: um i would tell him have fun with the clap Uh, (laughs) and i mean having issues with sex uh is a legitimate thing so mm-hmm. I don't know why you would be all like, I just don't know why you're being so frigid.
0: Mm. <coughs> right.
1: Like, I have PTSD. Yeah. You know, watch a movie. Okay. Like it's just, it's hard. Right. So I would be like, well, bye then.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: And find someone who also enjoys taking it slow. And, um, well all obviously well for me i'm very sexually driven so i'd be like well this is getting fixed now <laughs> like, Yeah, I'm, I'm on prozac and i was considering i keep considering going off of it because it makes it harder for you to come when you're on it
0: yeah i heard that about antidepressants yeah
1: yeah and so i'm just like i mean yeah i'm balanced but am i living life to the fullest i don't know <laughs> So, as someone who's very sexually driven, like, dating and not having any sort of physical intimacy is, like, nightmarish to me. Mm. Um, my love language is, like, all of them. I need all mm-hmm. of them. Like, if I'm not yeah. getting affirmations, if I'm not getting touch, if I'm not getting time, I'm mm-hmm. just like, something, you know? Right. So, yeah, if this guy's like, I can't wait around for you, and I'm like, first of all, Dick. So just know. Yeah. And set so, yeah. Just just find someone else, and then like, and for me, I'm like, even masturbating, I'm like, there's, there's a whole world there you're missing out on. Yeah. It's the best sex you'll ever have.
0: It's really having sex with the person who knows your body the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's we'll what masturbation is. Leave you alone. <laughs> Just, that's hilarious yeah yeah there's no pressure for anything afterwards well,
1: cause yeah I, I physically i think it's because of the way my shoulders are built but i don't like cuddling. <laughs> I'm, it's, I'm hot get off me and it's just yeah
0: yeah that's hilarious like i don't like cuddling you because of my shoulders <laughs> it's like that's a hard one to get to, to understand but it's like but that's the truth well, it's the I, genuine truth is my fucking shoulders <laughs> i
1: can't sleep on my side because my shoulders are too wide and mm. that's probably why I'm not going to enjoy spooning or some nonsense. And if right, you aren't right. going to spoon, I'm going to have to be the outside spoon.
0: Because yeah.
1: I, I already get way too hot when I'm sleeping. So I'm just going to be like, get your fucking hands off me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. There, we should have like a... Each person should come with a booklet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a manual. Like a You're sex right. manual. Yeah. Oh,
1: absolutely. Like yeah. they're like a power bottom.
0: Hate <laughs> right hate cuddling but loves you know i don't know shoulder rubs like whatever it is like whatever it is it's just mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. you know how like when when you're about to like pet like get get give your pets to somebody for pet sitting there's like all these instructions yeah mm-hmm. each mm-hmm. person should have their own kind of manual sex manual oh, okay absolutely. yeah okay let's say you're a tia all right the the hot shot novelist guy okay you meet a high school boy named kwangu and he lives with his mom and an abusive father alcoholic father and the mom gets her ass beaten all the time by by your dad right i mean by his dad and he tells you that you're his like favorite writer of all time like he wants to be like you in the future right and you're like okay okay got a kid and you you drive this boy home to his house, and right outside his house, you see his mother getting beaten by this alcoholic husband. And Quang Wu runs over to tend to his mother, and then Kwang was also getting his ass beaten. What do you do?
1: Mm-hmm. Um I would bum rush the dad. Mm. Um probably start wailing on the dad. Uh I would offer them to stay with me. hmm. But that's me. I Yeah. Yeah. I know D V is a big old issue in any household. Mm-hmm. And so I already know that the mom might not want to leave.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay.
1: But I would definitely be like, if you want, you could just I have a spare bedroom.
0: Mm. Offer a shelter. Okay. That's mm-hmm. kind of you. That's generous of you. All mm-hmm. right.
1: Well, cause I just, I I know enough about it to be like this person probably they, well, abusers, they isolate their victims. So yeah, they they have no resources to go to Mm -hmm. like, they won't let them talk to their families. They won't let them have friends. They Mm -hmm. control all the finances. Mm -hmm. So if they go out, they have nothing. So I'd be like, okay, well then you're going to stay with me then.
0: Right. Offer help. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah. Okay.
1: Like I know some people would be like, "Oh, I'm not gonna get involved, but my thing is like, I think the idea of a father figure uh beating up his own family is so triggering for me, yeah, that it would hard, it would be hard for me not to feel a lot of empathy, right um, it'll be hard for you to ignore it, yeah, it'd be hard for me to just drive away,
0: right i understand mm-hmm. okay so let's say you're Hisu, the psychiatrist woman mm-hmm. you and Cheya, mm-hmm. the novelist guy you guys go on a trip and it just happens so that you have to stay the night okay mm-hmm. you don't sleep together you sleep in separate rooms but you have to spend the night when you wake up in the morning and you're looking for him you don't see him anywhere and uh, you go to the bathroom and when you open it, you see him on the bathroom floor and he's sleeping He's sweating a little bit. He's frowning and he's sleeping on the bathroom floor. And later he tells you that he can't sleep anywhere except for a bathroom. Like that's where he sleeps. Even at home, he sleeps in his bathroom and it's because of a past trauma. What do you do?
1: Uh, I'm a psychiatrist. he said.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Uh, well, I, obviously this person needs to go to therapy. <laughs> yeah. And then i yeah, just, you can't be sleeping in the bathroom floor. Mm. Like, I mean, to each their <laughs> own, but I'm like, I, I need the bathroom sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be like, can you wait outside for however long that I need to no. <laughs> Absolutely not.
0: Right. Eight hours locked in the bathroom to sleep and you're like, what if you have to take a midnight shit or got to barf? Yeah.
1: As someone who, for me, the bathroom is like a sacred safe space. And if someone fucks (laughs) with that, I'm just like, no, you gotta go. You gotta
0: go now. Now, 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 now. now." Okay. So it might be a deal breaker for you. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're the same woman. Mm -hmm. You're dating this guy now, Mm Chaeyo. All right. Mm -hmm. And your boyfriend talks all the time about this kid Kwangu, the kid that was getting beat up, his mom getting beat up, and all that. He talks about him all the time, but you've never met him. You've never met this kid in person. And one day, your psychiatrist colleagues tells you that Cheol is schizophrenic, and that Kwangu is a person that Cheol made up in his mind in order to cope with his childhood traumas. What do you do?
1: Oh boy. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just... Like, because the thing is, like, what are you supposed to do? Like, confront them? What are they going to say? Yeah, you're right. I'm a crazy. Dude, one time in high school, I used to sit at lunch with this, this group of girls and this one chick, she would never stop talking about her boyfriend. And then one day in science class, science mm-hmm. was right after lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, "Oh, so and so is so annoying. She never stops talking about her boyfriend." And the, this girl was, who was a mutual friend, was like, "She doesn't have a boyfriend." Hmm. She and I mentioned this one guy, and she's like, "She barely knows him." Wow. Yeah. And then the next day at lunch, she was not there, and I was <gasps> like, "Girl did not want to answer any questions."
0: wow yeah isn't it interesting that all of us create our own realities that we choose to live in
1: yeah yeah but some people just get a little too creative with theirs (laughs) but yeah if i found out someone that i was dating was consistently talking about someone that was not real right i mean because that's psychosis
0: it is it's schizophrenia yeah yeah yeah
1: so I'm just like, okay, well, you have to 5150 this guy.
0: Mm hmm. Mm
2: hmm.
0: There's
1: there's no two ways about it. Right. Like, what are you going to do? Like, burst in and be like, you lied to me. <laughs> it's absolutely insanity. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, right, right. Yeah, there's no way about it. Like, yeah.
1: No, no. Crazy is crazy.
0: Right, yeah. yeah yeah okay so you're still this woman his who okay you have a father you have a mom a dad you have a an older sister okay mm-hmm. your family's very poor um your father suffered a stroke many years ago when you were like a teenager and his brain activity is like that of a three-year-old he can't walk he can't speak he's a severe financial burden on your entire family but what do you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do right Mm -hmm. Your mom, who used to love your boyfriend because he's rich and he's successful and he's handsome and whatever, she finds out that your boyfriend has this mental disability and she slaps your face, telling you to break up with him immediately. What do you do?
1: Why why did she slap me?
0: Because it's like her the mother's rationale was you should know better. You know what it's like to live with a man who's sick. How can you go and do the same thing with your life? Like That's her rationale.
1: I mean, well, first, I'd be like, why did you slap me? Mm. And I just, I don't know. Well, first of all, he's rich.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Rich
1: rich people aren't crazy. They're eccentric. (laughs) You get that live-in nurse (laughs) and get that shit covered. (laughs) Right. Sorry the dating pool for rich handsome men <laughs> ran out of sane ones.
0: Yeah, we're at the bottom bottom of the barrel. Yeah, there's so only a couple left.
1: <laughs> I'd be like, "You do know he's rich, right?"
0: Yeah. You want to take like, that
1: slap back now?
0: Exactly. Like it's like it was, there was just two. It's like a schizophrenic one and then like a serial killer. I chose the schizophrenic one. Like I feel like I made the better decision here.
1: Well, for serial killer, there's not even a matter of choice in that. I'd be like, that that's going to sort itself
2: out real quick. <laughs>
0: right.
1: Yeah, I just Mom, shut up.
0: <laughs> that's hilarious. You, you Mom, shut stay up. In the
1: mansion? You don't have to.
0: Yeah. Just live apart from the mansion. Never come over. It's all you, you got to do. You can
1: live in the guest house. <laughs> Like my it man has a be, pool. Yeah, my man may be schizo, but his money is definitely real.
0: <laughs> his money is so real. His money's yeah. nothing like Kwango. It is real. I feel it. I see yeah. it. I live I, it. i
1: met the money. The money very... <laughs>
0: I touched it. I yeah. smelled it. Yeah. yeah. I bought a lot of bags with it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know what solves mental illness, mom? Mom? Money. Money, <laughs> money, 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 money. Okay? So, what are you...
0: It's hilarious. Okay, I love that. I love that you also. I love that you also said, "Why did you hit me?" You know, like because I, you know, like slapping is such a thing, like a soap opera thing. It's such a K K drama gimmick, and like in almost every single one of these like uh, flashcard questions, a a hitting moment always comes up, and nobody has ever questioned the slap. They just kind of skip over that part and just think of the next step. But I love that you took the time to question that and be like why did you slap me it's and so it, important
2: it's
1: such a weird hysterical response and i'm just i'm not right. going that shit go
0: right uh, your gonna, daughter yeah your daughter just got hit with some bad news some sad news and you're gonna go and hit her
1: <laughs> yeah like i hate also korean soap operas they have this thing where i don't know if it's just an old school thing where even if a bad thing happens to a woman like yeah. she gets punished
0: yeah like yes
1: like you got hit by a boulder how dare you (laughs) how dare and that's this weird thing where i'm just like i i can't handle the the lack of logic here it's just killing me
0: i know the lack of logic is huge for me like With my K-drama book right now that I'm working on, I'm writing this one chapter called Orphans and Leukemia, because there's so many orphans and leukemia in K-dramas, and I'm just kind of writing out, like, the things that happens to a female protagonist, and it's just, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, she's so upright and moral. Why does the narrative continuously punish her? like every step of the way every episode punish 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 and then they kill her off yeah. it's like what was the point of that when she was so upright and moral are you just saying don't be this upright and moral because your fate is determined as you fucking getting cancer and dying anyway you know it's almost right. illogical yeah
1: it's, it's I guess our version of true crime <laughs> like so w- the thing is like the more upstanding they are the more like when something bad happens like oh so tragic so 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 so
0: so right the sadder it is because you're just like no yeah yeah Yeah. you're right it's a it's a device it is
1: Well, also like i remember did you ever hear this saying i think my sister told it to me like a woman's duty is to suffer
0: what jesus
1: yeah i know i think i read in a book somewhere too and i'm just like no
0: (laughs) i reject that statement completely
1: whoever said that no No,
0: yeah no There's no such thing as duty to suffer. That's like, no, that's not your job. That's nobody's yeah. job to suffer.
1: But apparently they think it is. Like our duty is to put up with shit and just being like, you know what? Someone's gonna take this rage.
0: Well the people people yeah. who think that they complain the most. Of course. Like uh mother you know, like um unhappy mothers in law. You know, mm-hmm. they're very unhappy because they lived their whole lives being you know, taking shit. And then at a certain point when they, it, when it's time for their, them to be the matriarch, they yeah. decide to be the shittiest matriarch because it's like, well, they had to deal with a lot of shit. It's time for the new one to also go through what I went through. Right. It's mm-hmm. like it's similar to the whole, um, you know, me me saying like, oh, like I feel stupid and then me mm-hmm. coming down hard on person person I, I judge as stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like whatever battles you're dealing with internally or abuses you're putting onto yourself you're always projecting them outwards as well that's why the self-healing thing is so important it's like mm-hmm. it's not just you it's everybody around you you know
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah and just like everyone have has like i don't know like an axe to grind and it's just I,
0: right yes yes a woman's duty is not to suffer let's put that out there now that is not anybody's job. <laughs> no.
1: Also, why is just one person so?
0: Yeah. You could share it.
1: <laughs> and you know what? Sometimes life is just a bitch. And, yeah, exactly. No, I'm, I'm not taking your shit.
0: No. There's no need for it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I love that. Alright, last one. This one's not too complicated. Okay, so you're you're uh, Jayar, the mm-hmm the novelist guy, okay? To you, this Kwangu kid, he's always there. He's in the room with you at all times. He's He's always in front of you, he's always talking to you. You can touch him. He's always, he's so real to you, right? But you're at the hospital and everybody around you tells you that he's not real. You just don't understand why you're at the hospital. You don't understand why people are saying he's not real. When to you, he is crystal clear real, tangibly real. What do you do?
1: So people are trying to convince me that there's a person that I think is real, isn't real. Yes. So, okay. But he's not real. Is he real or is he not real?
0: He's not real. He. Is, I mean, Cheo is schizophrenic. And okay. this kid is a figment of his imagination. Okay. But well, Cheer doesn't know that. To him, the Kwang was as real as, as this phone in my hand. It's so real mm. to him. Yeah.
1: Well, I guess I would have to... <laughs> Do what they did in A Beautiful Mind and being like, how long has you, have you been you kid? <laughs> and being like, they don't age, do they? <laughs> have you ever seen them age? They don't age.
0: How old are you? Five. Oh my god. It's been ten years and you've been five? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god. You want to know what's hilarious? Mm-hmm. So that that's the Beautiful Mind escape, right? For John Nash. In this show, it's the same exact resolution. <laughs> so, like, uh, Hezu is standing with Cheo, and Cheo is like, No, like, Kwang real. I'm telling you, he's real. And then Hezu says, With every imagined uh, being, there's always something, some detail about them that is inconsistent with the other reality that we live in. Mm-hmm. And then what he notices is that Cheo is always barefoot no matter what he's always barefoot and he's been a sophomore in high school for the last like five years mm-hmm. and that's when he's like oh shit you're right he's not real mm-hmm. that's how he snaps out of it it's like the same formula as a beautiful mind i was like mm-hmm. that's the downside i'm like oh, this is a copycat moment or maybe that really is how a lot of schizophrenic maybe, patients maybe snap out how, of it
1: that's how they do it because exactly I mean, it'd be crazy yeah. if hallucinations did age with time
0: <laughs>
1: yeah no, i think yeah
0: wow yeah that's actually wild imagine that right like your hallucination actually does in correlate to real time and does age Mm -hmm. and then it's like there's no convincing in that case Mm -mm. (laughs) like what's the outcome where is the 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 exit in that how do we come out of that you know Yeah,
1: and then it's got to be awkward afterwards when you're talking to your hallucination like so i heard you're not real
2: (laughs)
0: they're these guys they're telling me that you're fake that i made you up yeah wow that's wild okay i love this this was hilarious thank you (laughs) it's always a joy talking to you
1: oh thank you i love talking to you too